You are listening to This Week in Japan, the show that brings you the most trending news stories and cultural insights from Japan. This is episode 26 and officially our sixth month anniversary. So I'd like to just take a moment to thank all of you lovely people at home for tuning into our show every week. And remember, if you have any comments or questions about the show, then please send us a message on Twitter at Ryutokyo News. Today is October 2nd and we're coming to you live from Lopongi, Tokyo. I'm your host, Julian Zmanski. And joining me, as always, is my co host and founder of Ryu Tokyo, Yasuharu Matsuno. Hey guys, welcome back to our show. We had many big news stories in the past week that we can't cover all of them, unfortunately. But I thought that、uh, some of them are too big to ignore.、Mm. For example,、um, have you heard of、uh, Naoki Hanzawa?、Uh, only recently, very recently. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that's probably the single most popular、uh, TV drama series in Japan、mm. in the past. Several to maybe even like up to 10 years. Oh, okay. And it eventually ended last Sunday. Oh, sad times for big fans, I guess. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. And just briefly, the main character, Naoki,、mm. is a renegade、uh, salaryman who fights with his,、uh, you know, evil bosses <laughs> and other companies to, you know, to deliver results in, in business.、Uh. You know, he's, he's ruthless. Is that why it's so popular? Because it's like a renegade salaryman. Exactly. And he's,、yeah. like, he's like living the dream of many non renegade salarymen. <laughs> 100%. So, you know, he certainly doesn't sound like a typical salaryman.、Uh, right? I see, I see.、So、he's, he's basically a superman, except that he, he doesn't use, you know, physical violence <laughs> to <laughs> resolve the issue. Super salaryman. That's,、uh-huh. that's amazing. Yeah.、Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't watch the latest series,、mm. but it's estimated that more than 60 million people in Japan watch the show. Wow. That's like half the population. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And also,、uh, this one is a bit sad to announce, but、mm. uh, Yuko Takeuchi, one of the most popular actresses in Japan,、uh, tragically passed away.、Mm. And you know, I just want to express my condolences. To her and her family. Yeah, so、uh, let's move on to the main news of the week. So, in this episode, we're going to be discussing the following big news stories. NTT to buy NTT.com for 430 billion yen is the largest takeover bid in Japan's history. Japan plans to get rid of hankos, paperwork, and fax machines. A life size Gundam robot in Yokohama will be activated on December 19th, and a boy successfully infiltrates an elite high school for months while being undetected. This week, Nippon Telegraph and Telephone, also known as NTT, made an announcement that they will buy out NTT.como for 430 billion yen in the single biggest takeover bid in Japanese history. NTT will be taking Docomo private, allowing it to be free from shareholder pressure and possibly more flexible with its pricing. This move is suspected to be related to the recent price war between companies that has been incited by Prime Minister Suga, calling for a drop in phone costs. However, NTT Chief Executive Jun Sawada Made a point of saying that talks with Docomo began last April, and the recent government pressure to lower prices has not been a factor. That being said, competing company Rakuten recently unveiled a new 5G phone plan that is half the price of rival companies. This Wednesday, Rakuten Inc. launched an unlimited 5G data plan for 2,980 yen, around $28 per month, 
Other companies' prices, including Docomo's, range from between 7,500 and 8,500 yen. While the new phone plan is undeniably more affordable and attractive, there have been many rumors of unstable connection. In order to utilize the plan, a 5G-compatible cell phone is required, and the service area is said to be limited to certain areas like Tokyo. So yeah, the biggest uh, buyout, or I guess it's even merger to some degree in uh, Japanese history. Hmm. As a, as a businessman yourself, Yasu, what's your take on this situation? Mm. So I really think that, you know, things are happening really fast. Mm. We only discussed in the, in the previous episode last week sure. that Suda made an announcement to kind of like pressure mm. uh, the phone companies to cut the mobile fees, right? That's it, yeah. Yeah. And even though the CEO of uh, NTT mm. denied that uh, it's not due to the pressure from the government, mm. I think it's kind of obvious that, mm. you know, these are all connected. Of course, yeah. Mm. And NTT was originally 100% owned and operated by the Japanese government. Mm. But it became a private company in 1985, mm. so almost 35 years ago. Mm. But what's unique about this company, NTT, is that even today, more than one-third of the company is owned by the Ministry of Finance. Oh, okay. So essentially the Japanese government. Mm. So obviously, like by the name, right, NTT.com or NTT, mm. they're already connected, right? And NTT already owns like two-thirds of NTT.com. Right. So what's, what's been the major factor behind you know, them wanting to buy the remaining shares and take it completely private? Mm. That's a good question. And there are a few different theories about it. So my take is that in order to you know, reflect the, the government's uh, s- strategy, mm. Uh, in the in the most efficient way mm. by making it hundred percent subsidiary, and when you think about it, this is a very strategic move mm. because last week when we discussed the Suga's announcement to cut the mobile phone fees, mm. I wasn't too sure like how he's going to do it mm. because it's not illegal to you know charge high prices for you know mobile phones for you know those companies, right? Yeah, of course. So just giving you a pressure doesn't necessarily like mm. determines you to you know lower the price right yeah exactly maybe by like five percent or you know something like that mm. something neg- negligible not to like anger the government yeah but yeah. to cut the cost like 30 percent or 40 percent like mm. that dramatically you know you, you need more than just a like mental like pressure mm. i mean yeah it's, it seems to be working and you know like almost every single person in the country pays for a phone right mm. so no one's gonna look at this news as a bad sign you know if it means we pay less money yeah who, who complains right exactly unless right. you're working for a software <laughs> some other companies yeah, yeah. yeah um but like you said you know just a couple of minutes ago everything's connected the way i was looking at it was a slightly different angle but it's the kind of the same kind of thing is like you know if suga is saying drop the drop the fees by 40 percent, but he's saying that because people that average people think the prices are too high right mm. and people complain about it so he's thinking like, oh, in, in order to gain favor from the people who vote for me, I'm going to do something for them. You know, it's, you know, it's just classic politics, right? right. And then that also brings in uh, this introduction of Lakuten Mobile coming in uh, like a ridiculously low price because they're thinking like, well, Suga's asking you guys to do it because that's what the people want. So we're just going to come in and give them like straight up, give people what they want. Right. For and, a low price. And 5G is originally expected to be more expensive than 4G. Mm. 
of course. Yeah. And 4G is offered at around uh, 8,000 yen per mm. month. So everyone thought that it will be more expensive than that. Mm. But now Rakuten is offering 5G plan at less than 3,000 yen or just about 3,000 yen. Yeah. Which is really impressive. Yeah. And it's unlimited as well. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's the, that's the big catch <laughs> oh, yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just unlimited. That's yeah, crazy. so, which is good, right? Mm. I mean, we talked about this last week and, you know, I told you I recently upgraded my plan, but I doubled the price. So now I'm paying like 6,000 yen mm-hmm. for like 20 gig or 50 gig. I can't remember what I bought, but, you know, this is seriously making me consider switching to Lakatin. Because mm. I actually recently bought a 5G phone as well, which I'm not currently utilizing. Right. So... Yeah, I want to be able to like. I want to be able to use the speed that my phone is capable of. So, Yasu, do you know when this um, Lakuten service is going to start? Yeah, so I was just checking online, and it seems like they've already started offering the the five G service in like big cities like Tokyo oh, and like Osaka already. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's surprising because the the announcement was yesterday, right, or two days ago. Well, it says that uh, Rakuten was originally planning to release the service in June, mm. but because of the corona, oh, it's okay. been like postponed. Oh, but they had it prepped already. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. And it says that uh, they keep like expanding the, the service area. Mm. And by March 2021, the, the 5G service should be available in all prefectures. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, um, that pretty much seals the deal. Yeah, so I, I'm also curious, like, how fast and how stable the connection is. Mm, I guess only time will tell. And please let me know, like, how it's like after you start, you know, using the Rakuten's 5G. Plan. I'll give you a fully detailed report. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on to our next story of the week. Popular government official Taro Kono has taken up a new mission as the recently appointed Minister of Administrative Reform. The former defense minister announced last Friday that he will finally put an end to fax machines, excessive paperwork, and hankos in Japan. During a media conference, Kono told the press he feels that many administrative procedures don't really need to be printed out and faxed, and that it is simply because a hanko seal is required that these processes continue. Last weekend, he announced to his over 2 million Twitter followers that he will be setting up a hotline to take complaints regarding the inefficiencies of red tape in the workplace. However, the hotline had to be temporarily shut down the next day due to the thousands of messages he received. Some people in Japan strongly oppose getting rid of Hanko and see them as an important part of Japanese culture. But Kono has stated that he recognizes their cultural importance and only aims to take them out of official administrative procedures. Despite Mr. Kono's resolve, he could have a long road ahead. According to the Information Technology Cooperative, more than 95% of businesses in Japan still use fax machines today. I don't even know what's more alarming about this story, Yasu. Hmm. Uh, 95% of businesses still using fax machines uh. or the fact that a member of the Japanese government was willing to admit that something is outdated and needs to be changed. <laughs> <laughs> Just unprecedented behavior. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I think like 95% is a bit like misleading because, mm. um, you know, like no no business people in Japan use fax machines daily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least the majority of them. Mm. But um, I used to work for a, a Japanese company. Mm. And yes, I have to admit that I've used the fax machine uh, a few times. Mm. But it's not like uh, an obsolete like fax machine, as you mm. may imagine. But uh, it's just a, you know, big like a 
like printer machine yeah, like yeah. made by like Canon or Xerox, mm. which has a fax functionality. Mm. So, you know, doesn't look odd, uh, but you yeah. just need to like uh, punch in the, uh, the fax number, like phone number and send it to your client. Yeah, or, you yeah. Know, but just a few occasions in the, <laughs> in the past. Because they have them in like the convenience stores, right? So like the, the more up-to-date ones. Because I think for like a lot of Westerners, you know, myself included, right? When you think about, you know, you hear about Japan still using fax machines. We're thinking of like the old style one, with like the reel of paper with like the little hole punch in the side. Right. And, you know, and it comes out all like crappy quality, like uh-huh. a receipt from a shop and you can barely read it. Uh-huh. Um, but it basically, it's just like, yeah, it's like a copy machine and uh-huh. it just sends a copy to another place. Yeah. Um, so it's not that old fashioned, I guess, in, in that regard, but it still is a bit out of date in the fact that like, obviously having digital copies of documents is helpful for so many reasons. Exactly. So probably one of the most important reasons to get rid of fax machines, I would say, is just the waste of paper, right? Mm. You know, not all documents need to be printed. But in Japan, as Kono has said himself, you do need to print them because you need to put the Hanko seal on, right? Uh-huh. And that's kind of the stem of the problem. Mm. So, um, you know, I'm renting a new space for our uh, recording and, and filming like mm. soon, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there was one document or the contract that I need to use my, my Hanko, you know, to, to stamp it. Mm. Uh, but what's ironic is that he sent me the document in PDF. Mm. That's quite standard, right? Yeah. But in order for me to, you know, in order <laughs> yeah. for me to stamp Hanko, mm. I need to print it out. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, press the Hanko. And how am I supposed to send the document? Then I had to like scan it again. <laughs> so I, I complained because I was outside. I was in a rush. Yeah. And I still, you know, needed to like print out the document. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for the Hanko, basically. Uh. So I just called the guy and, hey, um, can I just skip the, the Hanko part? Mm. You know, it's 2020. And, yeah, you yeah. know, everything is like uh, starting to be like digitized and mm. like, you know, can, can I just skip it? And. Yeah, to, to my surprise, um, he's, he said that's okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so I just filled out the document on my laptop mm. and just sent, sent back the digital file. Oh, nice. That's useful. Mm. Yeah. Well, that, that's great. I mean, like I said right at the start, right, the other angle of this story is that the Japanese government's not known for being you know, forward-thinking or flexible, should we say, mm. on, on things that are very traditional, right? Hanko is being a very traditional part of Japanese culture. Right. But he's mm. he is recognizing that they're just causing an unnecessary delay and problem, mm. especially in a world where just everything moves so fast now. Mm. You know, we we're just talking about five G, you know, phone signals, um, but we still have to like manually stamp paper. It's just it's like two steps forward, three steps back. Yeah, that's like one G or, yeah, you know, exactly. or less than worse than that. One G stamping, yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know what a hanko is, it's basically just like a little wooden stamp that you carry around with you it's got your personal seal written on it usually the kanji for your name and uh yeah compared to like the western style of signing something with a pen a lot of japanese people will have to basically carry the hanko around and stamp it onto official documents Mm. to make sure it's kind of you know official what does your hanko look like because you don't have kanjis for your name do you no it's just uh domanski in katakana oh wow yeah 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 that that many words it's because six, in my six. case, right, it's yeah. ma- Matsuno. Yeah. So Matsuno is like just only two, two. Yeah. Uh, kanji characters. Uh, but you have how many? 
Wait, six. Six. Do, Martin, Suki, and then the extender. Yeah. So yeah. six in total, yeah. Interesting. So you have to like、uh, make a special order for it? No, I just went to Don Quixote. <laughs> the magical Wonderland store that has everything. And they had Domansky stamp? Yeah, 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 for, for sure. Well, not, no. <laughs> no, they didn't have Domansky. They have a machine that makes it. Oh. Have you never seen it? It's really cool.、Yeah. So I, I, I don't know, like, I think the machine is made for people who just want to get a stamp quickly, right? Huh. Because、so, you, you can do kanji on there. So it's not just for like foreign names, but I think it's mainly geared towards like tourists, you know? And people want to maybe. Because Hanko is like a cool thing you can get as like a souvenir. Sure. You know, if it's kind of a novelty, right?、Uh-huh. So you go in, you go to the machine. The first thing it asks you is like, what style? Because they have like plastic and different types of acrylics and stuff. What size? Like the thickness. And that obviously makes it a bit more expensive or whatever.、Hmm. I think the next question is like, do you have a kanji name or katakana name? So you can actually just, just ask you straight up, like, basically, do you have a Japanese name or a foreign name?、Hmm. So you choose katakana, you punch in the name. I think the max is eight characters. And then it uses like a laser. It like cuts the,、oh, it cuts、wow. the, uh, the print onto the end of the stick. And then, yeah, it just comes out the machine.、Uh, how much did it cost? It was really cheap. It was like 1,000, 1,200 yen. Hmm, that's yeah, not pretty, bad. You know, for、hmm. a you know, custom. Yeah, custom one. You know, yeah,、um, yeah. Which is totally fine, you know. And it's not something you need to buy often, right?、Hmm. I've bought that. And, you know, I just bought the, like, the cheapest like, acrylic sure, one. Sure.、Yeah. But you can get more fancy ones. Or, you know, if you go to a proper Hanko shop, you can get like, really fancy ones, right?、Hmm. The end of the stick. And then, yeah, it just comes out the machine.、Uh, how much does it cost? It was really cheap. It was like 1, 1,200 yen. Hmm, that's yeah, not pretty, bad. You know, for、hmm. a you know, custom. Yeah, custom one. You know, yeah,、um, yeah. which is totally fine, you know. And it's not something you need to buy often, right?、Hmm. I've bought that. And, you know, I just bought the, the cheapest like, acrylic sure, one. Sure. Yeah. But you can get more fancy ones. Or, you know, if you go to a proper Hanko shop, you can get like, really fancy ones, right?、Mm. So, yeah, this is obviously a welcome change for everybody, right?、Um, hopefully, it doesn't diminish the, you know, the cultural side of the Hanko. Sure. But I think almost everybody can agree that、mm. it's just unnecessary most of the time. You know, like you figured out yourself this week, you know, out in a rush and a stage and just sending you a PDF of a document you need to print off and stamp and scan back. And <laughs> it's just a hassle, right? <laughs> so,、uh, yeah, the sooner we make this change, the better.、Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on to some entertainment news next. Gundam fans will soon be seeing a dream come true. Last week, footage leaked of the Gundam Factory Yokohama's special project. An 18 meter tall moving Gundam robot. The video showed the giant robot moving about as it took a knee, walked forward, and pointed up towards the sky. The project has been underway for several years and was initially going to be opened this October, but due to the coronavirus, it has now been revealed to be opening on December 19th. Gundam Lab Yokohama will not only feature the life size Gundam Behemoth, but also a two story exhibition center that will allow visitors to learn about the building of the giant robot and stock up on every kind of Gundam merchandise. There will also be unique merchandise only available at Gundam Factory Yokohama. Furthermore, SoftBank will feature a Gundam Pilot View 5G experience, which will put people right in the virtual cockpit of the 18 meter tall moving Gundam. This unique site will only be available for a limited time. The Gundam is currently only planned to stay in Yokohama until March 31st of 2022. After that time, it could be moved again or even closed down. So, yeah, you've seen the video of this, Yasu. I did. <laughs> it's, oh, mate, it's just incredible. As someone、yeah. who's not even remotely a Gundam fan,、mm. just massive robots are just badass. Right. It's, it's undeniable. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, the video has been like circulating online、mm. uh, this week. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it's everywhere, you know, yeah. whether you're a Gundam fan or not, mm. it's kind of going viral. I knew that this life-size Gundam was completed earlier this year. Mm. But because of the corona, we didn't know when it becomes available to the mm. public. But yeah, finally. You yeah, know. yeah. Yeah, like so many things this year. Uh, there was so much stuff planned to happen like in the summer of this year, right? Because of the Olympics, right? Yeah. The Olympics was like the, the, the central pillar mm. of like Japan's economy this year. Mm. And so many people were planning events based around that, right? Mm. Because they were going to try and capitalize on all the, uh, the tourists coming in. Sure. And uh, yeah, like I say, I'm not a big fan of Gundam, but I've got a lot of friends who are. And I know it's very popular in the West. Uh, you know, just big battle robots, basically. You know, it's, mm. it's, a, it's a very popular genre. And mm. um, so it's cool to see. Um, so the the model of this Gundam is the same kind of design as the one that's in Odaiba, right? The big Gundam statue. Yeah, it was quite some while ago. Oh, okay. They, they now have a new uh, Gundam uh, model called Unicorn Gundam in Odaiba. Oh, they changed it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> I don't know like how many years ago, but the very original uh, Gundam in Odaiba, mm. I mean, became a- available almost 10 years ago. Mm. And then they removed it uh, maybe a few years later and built the new Unicorn Gundam that oh, still okay. exists today. Ha- uh, have you seen that one? I don't think so. I've only been to Odaiba like two times, but I didn't really notice it because I, I oh, can't yeah. remember which part of Odaiba I went to. Mm. I went to that like... Um, like digital art museum, mm. um, but it's not right next to that, is it? Yeah, I didn't see not. it. Yeah, yeah, it's located right in front of the the shopping mall called uh, Diver City. Oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, you said you went to dive with your kids last. Week. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen the Gundam a few times. Yeah, yeah, the unicorn one. Yeah. So, how big is it compared to? So, this new robot's eighteen meters tall. I think that one was also about like twenty meters tall. Oh, so yeah, pretty big. Yeah, wow. and it looks really cool. Yeah, it it really looks like the the anime like robot mm. comes to life. You know. Yeah, but um. That one doesn't really move around uh, its arms and mm. legs or, you know, bend the knees and anything. But yeah, yeah. This new one in Yokohama, it moves, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Y- you've seen it too. Yeah, of course. I so, mean, that's one of the most impressive things about it is just the engineering exactly, that went into yeah. this. It's it incredible. Even like, you know, moves the, the fingers. Yeah, like in- individual digits. It, it can, like, yeah, it can like curl. Fingers. It has knuckles, right? It can uh-huh. curl and make like hand gestures. Yeah. Um. It's yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I heard, I heard one of the biggest challenges I had with designing the robot was just basically, uh, in like the the feet and the knees, designing gears that would hold the weight of everything above it because mm. it's just pure metal, right? It's just so right. heavy. Um, so it is actually kind of attached at the back, kind of on its spine. It's connected to uh-huh. like a rail because uh-huh. um, it it looks like it's in one of those like um. You know, like a launch pad for like a rocket. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a frame that holds it, right? Uh-huh. So it's connected to something that looks a bit similar to that. So it can it can move around within those kind of constraints, but it can't actually walk off. You know, it can't like walk off into Tokyo on right. its own. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that rail, I think, is holding up most of the weight, but it is still like stepping on the floor. So the gears and stuff have to be, you know, uh, they have to design the gears in a specific way that, you know, they're strong structurally yeah, as well as being flexible so they can bend. So. Right. That's also the impression I got uh, from the movie. Mm. And you know about the guy who shot the uh, videos or the, the films of the, no, no. the Gundam, moving Gundam? The most famous guy is called Yokken. 
And he's been filming this life-size Gundam for the last like, 11 years. Since mm. the, the original like, uh, Gundam statue came into Odaiba. He's been like visiting the construction sites uh, quite often. Mm. And he shares the videos of the basically the process of the construction. Oh, okay. So, you know, up yeah. until this uh, Gundam in Yokohama, there's been like three Gundams, you mm. know. The first one in Odaiba, mm. the second in Unicorn Gundam, and this, you know, life-size, I mean, yeah, yeah. moving one in y- Yokohama. Mm. And he, you know, what's funny is that he took the interview from some, some large media. Mm. I, I don't know which one. I think he was also interviewed by CNN. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he said that um, he felt that it is his duty mm. to document all the processes of construction. Mm. And the official release of the Gundam is like seeing his child becoming an adult. <laughs> <laughs> and he even cried when it, you know, when it was completed. Oh, wow. But he's like not like the creator of Gundam, right? Oh no, he's, he's just, just like a, some, random, some <laughs> random guy taking pictures <laughs> and videos. <laughs> yeah, that sounds a bit. That sounds a bit weird. But yeah, he was like, you know, I, I feel responsible, you know, for documenting all the all the yeah. construction process. You know, like I feel like when people do this kind of thing, like it's uh-huh. cool, right? The, uh-huh. For the in the interest of like preservation of information, uh-huh. that's totally fine. Uh-huh. But like you know, an engineering project of this scale, they have very detailed, specific plans of like every single square millimeter of that uh-huh. robot. Yeah. So he doesn't need to document anything. <laughs> like it's, it's all there, like probably terabytes of data and models and stuff. And like he's almost taking the glory away from the people who actually design that thing. Um, yeah, you know, cause they're all like walled off, you know, because it's not open, right? So yeah. they're walled off in their little construction site. They're building right. away, you know, they're doing on their tests. Mm. And he's just like some random guy in like the park next door, <laughs> just yeah. fil- filming over I the mean, fence. Yeah, that's a that's actually a good point because uh, the company who's in charge of this Gundam, yeah. who, who owns and operates the Gundam, is prohibiting uh, uh, any people from uh, videotaping or, you know, uh, taking pictures of the yeah, Gundam yeah. until, I mean, before the completion. That's it, yeah. <laughs> so... But yeah, this guy ended up on CNN getting all the glory. <laughs> and yeah, he's... <laughs> He's, he's almost like, uh, you know, leaving comments as a, as a father of, of Gundam. That's it, yeah. You yeah. know, maybe, oh, I, I designed this Gundam. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I wrote the, <laughs> I, I created the original, like, anime of Gundam. Yeah. You know? That's kind of my impression of it. So I don't, I don't want to discourage any, like, super fans out there. Like, uh-huh. if, yeah, if yeah, sure. If you're into a franchise, then, and you just love that franchise, then that's cool, right? Uh-huh. But I think this guy might be taking it one step too far. <laughs> Okay, so now it's time for our final story and random news of the week. Last week, a boy who had been successfully infiltrating an elite Tokyo high school for months was caught. The incident occurred at Kaisei Senior High School, an institution with the highest record of graduates entering into the competitive University of Tokyo. The imposter has been banned from the school grounds and the original student he was pretending to be has been expelled. The original student was confirmed to be present for both the high school entrance exams as well as orientation that was held in February. However, from March, classes went online. When school reopened on June 29th, a different boy showed up instead going by the student's alias. 
Finals were held in July and the school went on summer break, all while failing to notice the imposter. However, the gig came to an end when Kaisei High failed to receive a cumulative guidance report from the student's former middle school, which is typically sent out in April. When the middle school was contacted, it came to light that the report had been sent to a different high school, and once staff confronted the fake student, his identity was revealed. So, you know, this story, Asu, is kind of, it's almost on the level of uh, the one we had a few weeks ago with the guy who stole the bike and rode all the way from Kyushu to Tokyo. It's one of those things that's like borderline a crime, uh, you know, very questionable, but I, in a way I kind of admire it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is really unheard of. Uh, you know, a part of the reason why the, it took so long for the high school to notice mm. the impersonation is I think it's because the, the classes were held online. Yeah, yeah. And I think if it wasn't for Corona, maybe something like this could never happen. Mm. Well, what I find odd about this, uh, this boy is mm. that he wasn't really trying to be stealthy, so mm. to say, but he was wearing like, uh, you know, all the earrings and had a conspicuous like a uh, hair perm. <laughs> and Did he have a the, Tsuboku you know, cut? Yeah. Yeah, troublemaker. <laughs> it's, it's quite eccentric as mm. a, you know, Japanese high school student. Right? Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so some people doubt whether, you know, he was really trying to impersonate the boy who actually passed the exam. Mm. You know, like, uh, it's, it's so hard to say, like, what he was really trying to do. Yeah, like, what is the aim here? Like... It seems a bit weird because at the end of the day, he's taken the other person's name, right? Mm. So even if he got all the way through school, he aced the exams, he got like, you know, top points, uh -huh. perfect grades, and then the certificate at the end of the day doesn't have his name on it. Uh -huh. So right. like, he yeah. would have to just keep being this other person for the rest of his life. Uh -huh. <laughs> and what happened to the other person? Does anyone know? Like, So allegedly that uh, the other person could be his like brother. They could be oh. like a sibling. Oh, okay. But because they're boys, right? Mm. Teenage boys, uh, not all the information is disclosed. Uh, I see. But allegedly, uh, a parent of some other student, yeah, kind of like leaked the, the information to the media. Mm. Yeah, and according to her, uh, this boy has been trying to interrupt the progress of the, of the class. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's... So he's, for what? Yeah, right? so like... Even though he's like undercover, mm. he's kind of making a name for himself as a troublemaker. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of you probably heard of University of Tokyo, but apparently this Kaisei Senior High School produces some of the, the highest ranking students at the university, right? Yeah. So um, I have some uh, good friends that are from Kaisei. Mm. And, you know, basically it's always considered one of the three top uh, high schools for boys in Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are yeah. you sure that you know who they really are, Yasu, your friends? <laughs> <laughs> when you ask me, you know, I, I need to double check maybe. But yeah, they are really smart kids, mm. you know. Um, some people say that it's harder to get into Kaisei than like uh, getting accepted by Tokyo University later mm. on. Because when you take the entrance exams for um, these high schools or uh, Kaisei has middle school too. Mm. You know, you're still at the age of like 12 mm. or if it's for high school, 15, mm. right? So one of my uh, good friend who graduated from uh, Kaisei, mm. he started going to a cram school from the age of like seven or eight. Wow, that's intense. 
really intense, right? Wow, yeah. Yeah, but well, he's he's super smart. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he works in the finance, like real estate industry now, mm. and he had to get the license, you know, certain license related to uh, real estate business in Japan. Oh, okay. And he went to a bookstore to you know study for the license. Mm. And he found the book, oh, like how to get this license in like one month mm. or so. And he used that textbook and got the <laughs> license uh, in two weeks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so he was like, oh, maybe I can write a book, you know. He then should sue the company and was like, no, I did it in two weeks. This book is a lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it didn't take one month for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, they are really like uh Good at wow. how to say memorization. I guess so, especially yeah. and yeah, some of them are like super creative. Yeah. So you know, when I saw this news, mm. I just you know, I mean, we we were just discussing. This is like in, incomprehensible to us. Like, mm. We we don't understand why they even like do this, right? Mm-hmm. And most people in Japan are you know uh, showing the same reaction. Yeah. But at the same time, like certain people. Uh, that are considered like geniuses, you know, like such as like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. Mm. They have some like really bizarre or, you know, atypical like personality. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's hard to tell what they're, you know, really thinking or, mm. you know, what's inside their brain. Yeah. So I think even for this one, we may never know. Yeah. You know, yeah. it doesn't yeah. add up. <laughs> it's definitely a mystery. And I, th- I think it's going to remain a mystery for. You know, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think that that's why it makes a, a great random news of the week. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> okay, so that wraps it up for all the news stories this episode. Now let's jump into the final segment of the show, Word of the Week. So this week, I'm going to introduce you another wasei-eigo, mm. or Japanese-English phrase, that's very often used amongst people that play video games. Oh, okay. But, oh well, it's so often used that most non-gamers would uh, understand it too. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, the word of the week is rasubosu. Rasubosu. I never heard that, but I can pretty much guess what it means. Tell Last me. boss. Yeah. Like the final boss. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, you got it. <laughs> I played too many games, Yasu. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I had a feeling that you could, you know, you could get this one right because, you know, you, you play RPGs. Yeah. But there's no, like, hidden meaning to it because that one seems too obvious. Yeah. Oh, but b- before I talk about that, like, uh, do you know a variation of it called uh, Chubosu? Chubosu. I guess chew like middle. Yeah, exactly. Like middle level. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, your guess is so accurate, you know, <laughs> where, where it comes to like games, right? Yeah, don't test me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so chubosu and rasubosu. Yeah, so actually for anyone that does play games, you'll probably refer to chubosu as like a mini boss. Mm. So the best thing example I can think of that is like a Zelda. You know, mm. you go to like every Zelda game has dungeons. Mm. And there's like, you get to the end of the dungeon, there's always the main boss. But halfway through, there's always a mini boss. Yeah. So we call it mini boss. You, usually, you you kill the mini boss, and then you get the item that you need to defeat the big boss, right? Or the main boss. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, 
I saw a video, a uh, YouTube video, a while ago mm. when an athlete was trying to jump over a vaulting horse. Mm. You know what that is? Yeah, like in gymnastics, right? Yeah, yeah, like a tall, like a, how to say, like, stack of boxes. Yeah, like a wooden crate, basically. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. And for a professional athlete. The height of it can go over like two meters. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. two meter, like uh, two point two meters or two point three meters or something. Yeah. And the guy was saying, "Oh, this this one is the the rasbosu for him." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's not only used in the game context, mm. but also in the sports or even in business. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you are dealing with a really complicated uh project. Mm. And you enter the the final stage of the project. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know that's where things are most challenging and complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you can call it. Oh, this is our rasabosu. Rasabosu. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I think I think I've used that kind of same phrase in English before. Mm. You know, like more like jokingly, like mm. all right, come on, guys, final boss. You know, or like you know, final level or something like that, right. last level. Referring to a game, you mm. know, where it's like you know, obviously last level in like you know Mario or something like that. Sure, it's yeah. always the most challenging like platform, and you've got to beat the you know beat Bowser or whatever. Uh-huh. And you've got like fireballs flying at you, and you uh-huh. know, there's just everything's trying to kill you at the same time. Right, so. but yeah, for those who don't play games, maybe another example is uh, do you watch uh, Star Wars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Emperor uh, Palpatine. Hmm. I would say he's the the real like last boss. Yeah. So maybe Vader is like two bosses. Two bosses. Yeah, yeah. Like middle class uh, boss. I yeah. mean, initially you think Vader is a last boss. Yeah, right? true. Yeah, but, but he's not. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I I don't know if I'll I'll find ways to use that in the future. I don't <laughs> usually find myself in many challenging situations, but but maybe yeah, when you're editing videos. Could be, yeah, yeah, and uh, and where you need to uh, utilize some like special, uh, you know, challenging effects. Oh, okay. Then yeah. maybe you call it the uh, chubotsu or rasubotsu. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, you, you load all those effects in, and you know, like Premiere Pro is crashing, and like Windows needs to update. <laughs> I don't have enough RAM. It's just just all everything's going wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's even challenging for hardware, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, for the for the hardware, it's uh-huh. uh, <laughs> that's the boss. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, so that's all for this week in Japan. Whichever platform you're listening to us on, make sure that you're subscribed for a new episode every single week. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're also releasing new videos every week on our YouTube channel, so search for Gyu Tokyo and find us there. Okay, everyone. So stay healthy, stay safe, and、uh, if you've got any challenging、uh, projects at work this week, I hope you'll be able to defeat your Rasubosu. So be sure to check back next week for the very next episode of this week. In Japan.